Welcome to the Freedom Lifestyle podcast series, a series that is so much more than just a podcast series. This is a movement towards freedom in life and in work and about taking a lifestyle you know you deserve. I'm your host, Sam, and I have always admired working where you want, when you want, and how you want. Just like my guests, I found my version of the freedom lifestyle, and I'm sharing all the secrets for how you can too. The freedom lifestyle looks different for everyone. What's your free? Hey friends, so nice to be back in your ears again. I have not released an episode in three months. I feel like I blinked and a second ago I was wrapping up season two with that final episode with Jared. So much has happened over the last three months and I've been taking my sweet ass time to release the new season. So I thought I would just hop in here for my second ever solo podcast episode and kind of give an update on what's been happening over the last three months because I've invested in some pretty cool experiences that have had a pretty big impact and are going to shape how I think about my freedom lifestyle going forward. Stick around to the end of this episode though where I'm going to give a sneak peek at what you can expect from season three of the Freedom Lifestyle podcast. So I figure three months of being MIA, I'll share three major experiences that I've had and then three outcomes that came from it or learnings or insights. And I really reflected on this and I wanted to make this episode really relevant to someone who is a freelancer or first-time business owner and really kind of embarking on the freedom lifestyle, assuming that some of these things might be coming up for you too. So the first experience that I wanted to share with you is actually how I kicked off a six-week adventure that I took myself on away from Toronto, which is where I currently live. So for six weeks, I Airbnb'd my place and it started off with a road trip four hours north, best friend Sarah in the front seat, Capagira in the back, and we drove to my hometown where I spent the first 17 years of my life. So I grew up in Sudbury, Ontario, which is a city that's bigger than a lot of people think. There's over 160,000 people that live there. And my reco, if you're going to visit, is definitely summer or fall. They have so many beautiful city-contained lakes. And this time of year, the leaves are totally breathtaking. But I was attracted to more than the foliage. So if you follow me on Instagram, you'll know that I am super close with my grandma. She's just one of those people who are so instinctfully maternal and nurturing. She was meant to be a grandma and meant to be a mom. And I hope that if kids are in my future that I can encompass some of that because she's amazing and I love every second with her. Since I left Sudbury when I was 17 though, most of my family has actually moved away too. My mom and my sister live in Mississauga. My dad spent a few years in BC and many of my close friends went away from school and similar to me, never really moved back. 
So I ended up visiting maybe twice a year and had to settle for updating my grandparents about my life and they telling me what's going on with them throughout the last decade, all on Facebook. And P.S., getting my grandma hooked up with an iPad five years ago was the best thing we've ever done for our relationship. She's totally that person at events that has her big iPad device taking photos. She has an Instagram account. She's so cool. So over the last 10 years, you know, she never made me feel guilty about coming home less. She never made me feel guilty about my ambition and, you know, that taking me away from my hometown. She was just happy to spend any time with me that she could. And I always really respected that. And now that I'm living this freedom lifestyle, I'm literally being able to work remotely from my laptop wherever I am. And I don't know why I didn't do this sooner, but I took the opportunity to spend two full weeks living and working with her and my grandpa in their house in Sudbury. I don't even know how to begin to explain how beautiful this experience was, but for the entire two weeks, I would do an activity with them every day. My grandpa's going to be 70 this year. I think my grandma's going to be 69. And it turned out they still had bucket lists of their own. There was these areas that they wanted to visit but didn't feel comfortable driving to by themselves or my grandma really wanted to show me and go back and visit the playground where her and her best friend grew up and would spend a lot of their time. So I just chauffeured them around and I would do things like that and it was like the simplest but most fulfilling and rewarding thing to watch them relive those things and like have those nostalgic experiences. The learning here is that when I landed my first freelance gig last September, so it's been a year, just over a year now that I've been doing this, and I was very focused either work, 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 play, 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 work hard, play hard, so basic, but that was just my mentality. So in my first year, I was having polarizing experiences. I was either, you know, staying in on the weekends, editing my podcast episodes, doing my gig work like copywriting or making marketing proposals or I was in complete vacation mode and completely checked out traveling with my boyfriend going to music festivals having costume themed getaways with my girlfriends and airbnbs or cottages and was just totally checked out from work and what I really realized from these two weeks is that if I can just figure out how to have a daily routine that I can just count on anywhere in the world. I can actually have more time for these extended visits with people I love, which I'm realizing every time I do it is so rewarding for me. And I think that's a huge benefit of living the freedom lifestyle is just more quality time with people that matter and these relationships. I'm a very relationship interconnected type of person and I want more of that. And so the learning for me is it doesn't have to be vacation or work. I can actually blend them a lot more and I'm totally okay with doing that. It worked. I would wake up at my grandparents' house and before coming upstairs for breakfast, I'd do a two-hour sprint in the basement, come up, have breakfast with them. We'd do like a nice afternoon activity, either go for a walk or my grandma does water aerobics, so I would do that with her sometimes. Another two-hour work sprint, have dinner, and then meet up with a friend or you know, watch Netflix on the Lazy Boy chairs with my grandma and grandpa. It was really amazing. And as I head into year two of this lifestyle, no signs of stopping. And as I gear up for season three, which takes a lot more work than you might think, 
My goal is to have a morning ritual that I do no matter where in the world. That's something I keep hearing from other people living this lifestyle is just have some consistency on how you start and end your day no matter where you are. And so that's some things I'm going to be doing and doubling down on visits up north and spending time with people I love. All I need is Wi-Fi. Before I hop into number two of my experiences I want to share, I wanted to give out a shout out to Turo, who is an app that I'm absolutely in love with. It was my first time renting a car on Turo. If you're not familiar with it, it basically allows you to rent a car from actual people. So rather than going through Enterprise or Expedia, just someone like me who maybe doesn't need their car for the weekend or for the two weeks that you need it. And it's so much more affordable. I think we had a 2012 Acura, which is all we needed for those two weeks for like 30 bucks a day. So highly recommend it. In my notes, I'm going to give you my referral code, which gives us both a $25 Turo credit. Number two, you may have seen the album I shared in the Freedom Lifestyle Facebook group. But in 25 pictures and just a few minutes of a podcast segment, I'll never fully be able to explain what the hell went down during the week I spent in the desert. So I wrapped up summer 18 with my first experience at Burning Man. I've spoken to a lot of people both before and after this experience and I've heard so many different views and understanding of what Burning Man actually is. I've heard... It's a bunch of naked hippies in the desert. It's an excuse to do drugs. A lot of people reference like the art and the culture, the rumors about orgies. Honestly, when I agreed to go, I had no idea what I was saying yes to. And the secret and the answer is it's all of those things. But it can also be none of those things. You can totally participate, choose your own adventure, and there's no pressure and no judgment to what you say yes or no to. So the official Wikipedia definition of Burning Man, I don't know if we think Wikipedia is official, but it says it's an annual event in the United States where a temporary city is erected in Black Rock Desert of Northwest Nevada. The event is described as an experiment in community and art influenced by 10 main principles. And I'll get back to those 10 principles in a second. So a bit about my experience, I shared an RV, no way I was doing a tent for my first year, my boyfriend Jared, my best friend Sarah, and two guys that I really didn't know but Jared went to high school with, one of them I was actually meeting for the first time before deciding we were going to spend a week in a mini Winnie with legitimately zero privacy. Part of the Burning Man experience is that Once you arrive, there is nothing for sale. You can't buy anything. So you have to anticipate everything you're going to need for the week. Unlike other festivals where you can go to the food stands and buy food or buy whatever water refill stations. Nuh-uh. You got to plan your water, your sleep gear, your food, your drinks, how you're going to shower, if you're going to shower, even like the gas you're going to need to get out. So another mind-blowing thing was how long it takes to get there. So in addition to the hours and hours it took for us to drive to the gates of Burning Man, from the time we got to the gates to our actual campsite and got out of our RV, it was nine hours. Totally nuts. So you got a plan. First year doing it, we overstocked on everything. There were so many unknowns. Honestly, it was scary the days leading up to it. I just didn't know what to expect. So we just bought everything. We spent easily 500 
more dollars than we needed to. So definitely would do it more cost effective in future years. Another big part of the experience is is biking around. So they compare the scale of Burning Man site to the downtown of Toronto. So basically from going one activity to another, you could be on a 20-minute bike ride and you'll do that like five or six times a day. When you arrive, they basically hand you this thick book full of all the activities and the time and the location that they take place every day for the week. So there's like 50 activities a day. It's like anything from yoga classes to workshops, DJ sets, day parties, camps just giving out free stuff. So there'd be camps giving out free ice cream or one camp offered a spa where you could go get a free foot massage. One afternoon, Jared and I dipped from the group and we went to a vegan barbecue. So cool. You basically just had to bring your plate and your cup that you had to bring with you. And they just served you this amazing vegan barbecue, which was awesome. The gifting aspect of Burning Man was super cool. And I want to bring it back to those 10 principles now. These principles, they shape the culture of the experience at Burning Man for all 80,000 people who attend and create this temporary city for the week. So they are radical inclusion, self-reliance, self-expression, community, civic responsibility, gifting, demodification, participation, immediacy, and leaving no trace. Our group was pretty mindful of all of them throughout the week, and it really makes you question all of these norms we've created in society. Like for an entire week, you are encouraged to just, if you want to do something, just immediately do what you want, wherever you want, but you're also not really supposed to be a spectator. Like actively participate in these things and definitely leave no trace. I would walk around with, in my fanny pack, I had a Ziploc and any garbage that I had throughout the day, tissue, Whatever kind of garbage you would have at a typical day-long excursion, I just had to keep collecting throughout the day. There was no garbage cans, and that's a big part of it. So it's definitely made me feel like a badass, honestly, surviving those conditions. I feel like I can handle a lot more, and I realize how adaptable I am. But the thing that I'm bringing home the most is the principle around gifting. So reflecting again on my last, I guess, first year being in the freedom lifestyle and doing my own thing is when I had a steady income, before this I had a sales job. So I was bringing in commission checks. I had many future deposits coming into my bank account. I really didn't worry about money. I overspent money on myself, but I was also really generous with my friends. I loved picking up the tab and buying rounds of drinks or gifting different experiences for my friends and family. And it just made me realize how much I miss that. And Now that I'm practicing minimalism and I'm so mindful of money coming in and out of my bank account so I can have this freedom-based lifestyle and live with less, I have this like scarcity mindset and Burning Man made me realize that you can be generous and gift and it doesn't even have to cost monetary value. So it might sound silly, but a couple things that I've done since then is I go to a ton of events and conferences like at least once a week I'm going to a networking event. Brands are involved in these events and they love giving out swag bag these days with like some really awesome swag. And before I would just, you know, come home, put that in my cupboard, find a reason to use it and felt like I earned that swag. And now I've actually been gifting that to friends that weren't able to attend the event, anything from really nice journals, 
tea is really big, sometimes like yummy healthy granola bars. So just sharing those. That's something really little I can do that doesn't cost me any money. Something really cool I saw Jared do is he had some Porter Airline points expiring and he couldn't use them. So he just like went out of his way to find a friend that could use them. And I thought that was super cool and didn't cost him anything. So definitely looking to bring back generosity into my life and gifting, even while living the freedom lifestyle and practicing minimalism. Okay, there is someone vacuuming outside of my condo right now in the hallway. Hopefully you can't hear that. It's not too annoying because we're on number three experience. I haven't shared a ton about this publicly, so you might not know, but Jared and I have actually spent the last six months or so writing our first book together that we're going to be launching in time for the holidays. A lot of that's going to come up in social media and upcoming podcast episodes, so More on that later. Right now, I just want to focus on the experience and learnings from going into business with your partner. This actually isn't my first time mixing business with friendship. My first business that I had was a social enterprise retail brand of women's accessories, and I ran that for three years with two of my best friends at the time. While it was generally more positive than negative, and I'm glad we did it, there were many times our friendship was at risk because of the business We really struggled to transition from work talk to social talk, and we were part of a larger group of mutual friends. We called ourselves a squad. So basic, but it was amazing. And it impacted them. We would sometimes hang out in the big group, and, you know, we'd be frustrated about something that had happened earlier in the workday, and, you know, that vibe was clear from the rest of the group, or we'd be at a pre-drink and just quickly giving each other a business update around everybody, and... There was a ton of learnings and I decided to do it again anyway and this time with my romantic partner which is even more complicated. Jared and I are still in LDR mode-ish. He's now back and forth between Vancouver and Toronto so it's been like one month together, one month apart lately and when he's here in Toronto and we're together, we're like all in. We share my tiny condo with my very cute but very crazy cat. We both work from home. We both do hot yoga and workouts almost every day together. We make our meals together. We have Netflix shows together that we're like forbidden to watch separately. So it's a ton of time together. And, you know, previously it would just be the normal challenges that would come up with any couple that's spending time together. And now we're throwing a business into that dynamic where we're investing thousands of our dollars, hard-earned dollars that... We haven't seen any return back because the product isn't launched and there's no sales or traction. So it's definitely put pressure on our relationship. And it's been a nuance that we're trying to figure out. We have totally different working styles and totally different skill sets, which is actually what attracted us to go into business together and experiment with that in the first place. I am definitely more of the marketer. I love creative things. I love branding. I love having a vision for something and seeing it come to life quickly. I don't always take a lot of time to think through the details. I kind of just put stuff out there, put my ideas out there and let customers or the audience kind of give me feedback and make changes along the way. And I'm more comfortable with just figuring it out as I go and making some mistakes. Whereas Jared, he is so detail oriented. 
he is one of those people that has that skill set of taking a big vision and being like, here are all the things that we need to do to get there. And here's the timeline and like keeping you on track and crunching the numbers and doing all of the research so that he can be confident that this is this is the right move before jumping into it. Completely different skill sets and ways of doing it, which was why it was so tempting to exploit our relationship for business. As we balance the art of entrepreneurship versus romance, we can say right now that we're still super excited about it. We are very proud of the product that we created. As a highlight, we created an activity book for couples who are often separated by distance, similar to us. So different activities you can do with your partner and we're launching it on Kickstarter next month. So we're proud of it. And that is a big part of my learnings here. So if you're thinking of going into business with someone that you have an important personal relationship with, one of my advice I would give is do not pretend it's not going to impact those relationships. Okay, you have to go into it being honest about that and saying, you know what, it's still going to be worth it. And the way it'll be worth it is if you have a strong why for why you're doing it. And it probably shouldn't just be about making money. For Jared and I, yes, we thought we could kind of exploit our complementary skills. But the bigger vision here was that we're about to go traveling for three or four months together in the new year. And we've always had this dream of, you know, running businesses while we're doing that and having some passive income on the go. So I just keep telling ourselves, you know, get through this stage. Let's finish the book, let's bring it to market, and then set ourselves up so that we can run this business anywhere in the world in the new year. So we keep going back to that why, as well as the value. Like We genuinely believe that what we've created will help other couples. The activities and the conversations that are in the book, we worked with a, a psychologist on this, and they they really helped us. And so we want to pass that on and help other couples, and we remind ourselves of that too. So if you're going to do it, have a strong why, Don't have wishful thinking and pretend it's not going to impact anything. And then the second learning is a personal one for me. If you're like me and you love to move fast and you love to just go to market early and iterate, there's so much merit in being lean. And I still think that's core to who I am. However, I can't deny that Jared's style has made some of my ideas like 10 times better. So I really respect that. And as I've delayed this launch for season three and taken longer than I normally would have to do some things, it's kind of because I'm trying to think things through a bit more and try to have a vision beyond just the next quarter and kind of know where I'm heading and think things through a little bit more. It's not natural for me, but I do think, you know, it'll help me in the long term. That's my update, my second solo episode ever. Thank you for taking an interest in my updates and learnings. I hope they're applicable to you and your freedom lifestyle journey. Please give me feedback. If you like these episodes or if you just want me to stick to interviews, Sam, you are great at asking questions, stick to that. I'm cool. I am, as you know, making this up as I go. So let me know. I'll be releasing another episode next week. That's going to be covering a lot of the highlights and my favorite moments from the live podcast taping we did back in July. Really excited about finally sharing that. And after that, I have some brand new interviews for you. I've already recorded five of them, so I know how great they are and they're really exciting. I'm broadening my scope this time to interviewees outside of Toronto. So last season, they were all done in person, which means I was limited to people that were, you know, 
a Uber or you know, streetcar away. Now we're going more international. I'll always have love for the six though, so expect more local stories too. I'm also going to experiment with having multiple interviewees in one episode. So like theming episodes with entrepreneurs in either similar industries or have similar visions and kind of getting them to share their unique perspective on that topic. An example of what I'm excited about is self-care for freedom seekers. I know it's often one of the first things to go when you're transitioning to this new lifestyle. So getting two kind of experts and advocates in this space to give some practical tips and share their experience with that. Another fun one is about digital nomad couples. So interviewing people that have gone on extended trips or currently are on a trip sneak peek with their partner, the pros and cons involved in making that work. And then another one, oh, is a really cool episode that I've coming up on freelance. So a lot of people I talk to, they want the freedom lifestyle, they want to quit their job, but they don't want to start a traditional product or service-based business. So they want to just be more an independent, either consultant or worker or freelancer. So interviewing two people that have made that work, you know, how you build your portfolio of gig work and some actionable tips for you if you're considering that. That's my teaser. Thank you for listening. As always, if you enjoy these episodes, please leave me a review. It turns out that breaking 100 reviews is a lot harder than I thought. I failed at that goal. We're still in the low 90s for the Canadian Apple Store, so please hit us up. Until next time, enjoy your freedom.